Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. This morning I want to talk to you about preparing the way of the Lord. In Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. That scripture is referenced in Isaiah chapter 40, starting at verse 3, it says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted or lifted up or raised, and every mountain and hill shall be made low or equal or even, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain or smoothed out. You can be seated this morning. The idea that's given here when we talk about that highway preparing the way When a king was about to make a journey, there weren't highways, there weren't roads like we're used to right now. I think that that goes without saying. There were desert pathways, there were were rocky stone paths no more than a foot wide. There were stumbling, there were rocks, there were holes, there were trees and and all kinds of, of stumbling things in the way. There were things that were constantly deterring the traveler. There were no great highways. But when the king was gonna travel, They sent him forth, his people, and they prepared a way. The king needed a smooth and clean and high road to travel on. The camels or the horses or the carts or whatever it is that would be going before him and with him. Those rocks needed to be taken out of the way because they would cause the animals to stumble. The troop that traveled along with the king stumbling over those things, we can't have that. Those holes that were there had to be filled in. That highway was raised up so that the the wind would cast off the dust, that that more dust wouldn't fall into the valleys and the grooves and, and all the things that would cause things to stumble. The way of the king had to be made smooth. In John's own words, in John chapter 1 and 19, he says, And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who art thou? He said in verse 23, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. And as said the prophet Isaiah. John came to preach that most important step of clearing the highway, that step of repentance, that step of turning away from our old selves, that step of smoothing out that highway, preparing for the coming of the king. How many of us right now understand that we're preparing for the coming of the king? He had to set people on a straight path. You notice in the scripture there three times, make his path straight, make straight the way, be made straight. Narrow is the way and straight is the path, straight is the gate that leads to salvation, amen? These guys couldn't be traveling, these kings couldn't be traveling over all these crooky, craggy ways. It took too long. 
I remember one time my wife and I were, anybody ever here been on the Pacific Coast Highway in California, San Francisco area? You cannot get from Sausalito to San Francisco quickly on the Pacific Coast Highway. And the reason is the Pacific Coast Highway, if you took the map that's flat and you raised it up like this, this is what the Pacific Coast Highway does. We thought it would be a quick hour trip to go up the coast and see all that stuff and then come back. Six hours later, we pulled into San Francisco. All the restaurants were closed. Everything was shut down. We were in Vermont just a few years ago, 2016. We took the kids out to a a trip out on the East Coast. And we decided to go up through upstate New York and on into Vermont and and over to New Hampshire. And uh, there's a lot of mountains in Vermont, I've discovered. I thought it was a hilly area. The Adirondacks are over there. But we were making a short little jaunt from Ticonderoga, New York to Waterbury, Vermont. Yes, in a sprinter van going like this. A one-hour journey took four and a half hours. They made straight the paths. Straight is the way. There's a, there's a symbolism there. There's an understanding there that the paths had to be made straight. Getting the crooked factors out. It slowed you down. It caused delay. It caused problems with the caravan. It, it just slowed the whole process down. The Bible tells me that when the king comes, he's going to come quickly. We need a straight path made. We need a highway that needs to be made and prepare for the coming of the king. And John the Baptist preached that message of repentance. It was so critically important is that first step. Repent was the first word of John's message in Matthew 3. Repent was the first word of Jesus' gospel in Matthew 4 and Mark 1. Repent was the first word in the preaching of the disciples in Mark 6. Repent was the first word in the preaching instructions Jesus gave his disciples after his resurrection in Luke 24. Repent was the first word of instruction in the first Christian sermon in Acts chapter 2. Repent was the first word in the mouth of Paul throughout his ministry, and you can read it primarily in Acts chapter 26. Repent was the key to begin to create that highway, that way that John said, the preparing of the way of the king to come. Do we live a life consistently of repentance. You know, you live in the flesh. You live in a world that that influences our mistakes, influences and draws from our flesh. I've often told the kids back when I was a youth pastor that the devil baits his hook with your favorite sin. We're constantly confronted with things that are displeasing to God. Does that make us terrible people? No, it makes us people in the flesh. But if we live a consistent life of repentance, always remembering in our prayer, whether you're getting up in the morning or going bed at night, to live a life of constant repentance. Wow, pastor, that sounds like sackcloth and ashes. Should I pick up reeds and beat my bare back too? No, what I'm saying to you is talk to the Lord because there's a promise there that he says, I'll forgive you 70 times seven in a day, but all you have to do is make the willful attempt to prepare the way of the Lord. Live a life of repentance. You're not perfect Christian. You're not perfect pastor. Just because you're a Christian, you come to church, doesn't make you anything special. Except in his eyes, if we live it the right way. The Bible says we're a peculiar people, a royal priesthood. That peculiar word means we're precious like a gem. We're so rare and beautiful to God. 
So is it okay if we dust a few rocks off the road, that we fill in a few holes here and there with a word and a, and a, and a life and a prayer of repentance each day? Absolutely worth it. Amen? In Isaiah, and I'm going to go back and forth with Isaiah. Isaiah, of course, predicted much and prophesied much about the coming of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 35, starting at verse 8, he says, And a highway shall be there, and a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring men. How many are wayfaring every day, making our journey, going to work, doing our duties, taking care of our homes? our kids and our children were the wayfaring men now it says the wayfaring men though fools (laughs) and it's just the way he put it though fools shall not err therein what does he mean by that he means well we're just goofy sheep right we're referred to as sheep we're just silly though we're fools we make our mistakes we're still going to do dumb things in other words what he's saying is we're going to make those mistakes why because we're in the flesh Because we have will and we have pride and we have rationalization and all the things that drive us throughout the course of our day. But he says, even though you're a fool sometimes, you make those mistakes, you shall not err therein. Now look at verse 9, it says, no lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. I know the word tells me that the devil is a roaring lion going about to seek whom he may devour. There shall be no lion on this highway, this way of holiness, he says in verse 8. So aside from a life of of repentance, continuing to remember, Lord, I made some mistakes today. God, can you forgive me this morning? God, can you forgive me today? I know I shouldn't have said that. I know I made a mistake earlier. God, just forgive me. I want to serve you. I want to do better tomorrow. But if you can add some holiness to that, making sure that we're living a life that's dedicated to proper behavior, proper internal heart holiness, even external holiness, some things that separate us from what the world looks like that are displeasing to God. There's a highway prepared for you that no lion can traverse, that no enemy can step on and take you away from it. It goes on there, it shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Is it worth it for us to live a life of repentance, to put a little bit of holiness into our walk so that we can step up on that highway and be not affected by that enemy, by that lion that's going to come, by those sorrows and sighings that beset us through this life? I want to say yes. Proverbs chapter 16 and 17 says, The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. That word evil there represents all of the things that can beset us as human beings, sinful things, things that are displeasing to God. Depart from evil. You know, it's called a highway on purpose because when they would build these roads, they would build them up Why? 
Because if there were rain, it would run off. If there were dust, if there were things blowing around and the tumbleweeds and all of that stuff, being high or elevated, it also gave them a vantage point that was a little bit better than running down through the valleys and amongst all the rocks and the crags and everything. It was an advantageous point. So as they built those highways up and they pitched out the rocks and they filled in the holes, it created a better place for the traveler to travel, for the king to make his way to where he was going. But aside from the things that running the highway means for us, look what it means to those in preparing the way for others. Isaiah 62 and says, he says, go through, go through the gates, prepare ye the way of the people, cast up, cast up the highway, gather out the stones and lift up a standard of the people. You know what Isaiah is saying there when he says, go through the gates, go through the gates? Well, I want to tell you. You all came in faithfully this morning. It's wonderful to see everybody in the house. Is it great to be here? Everybody have a happy Thanksgiving? A wonderful time together. I know we're all still feeling the tryptophan, and we're, but I'll get you up a little bit here a little bit later. But if you, if, you, if you were to come up here with me and took a look out there, right out there, there's two sets of them. They're gates. The entrance to the temple was referred to as Gates. And what he's saying is go through the gates, go through the gates. He's not saying come into the house. We do that already. That's already a part of who we are and what we are. What he's saying is is get out of here. Go through the gates. Go through the gates and prepare the way of the people. The people of Oconomowoc, the people of Delafield, the people of Dousman and Wales, and the town of Summit and Genesee. Go through these gates, people, and prepare the way for those who need him. Cast up the highway. Get the stones out of the way. What does he mean when he says lift up a standard? He says raise a flag. Put up some advertisement. Put a banner out there. It says the church is open. God is here. The king is preparing to come. Isaiah was into advertising. I love Isaiah. He's talking about getting out of the temple, not coming into it. We come in all the time. We have that privilege. It's wonderful to gather here with you. It's wonderful to sing and worship and praise together with my brothers and sisters. But what he's saying is get out of the temple also. Don't make a camp here that's permanent. We got to go through the gates and get out and prepare the way the people. They need, they need a smooth highway. He said, get the rocks out. Cast them out of their way. How do we do that? We preach to them the word of repentance, the key that was laid out for him first. You see where it's tying together now? You see what we're talking about? Come on, repentance, preaching repentance to a person who doesn't know God is not a judgment on them. It's not an attack on them. It's a key to the kingdom. It's a key to get a hold of where the king is going. I want to invite you to the king's supper. I want to invite you to this wonderful blessing. I want to invite you to what we've got. But we got to raise up a standard. We can't hide this thing under a bushel We can't sit here in the camp and just wait. We're missing something. So we lift up a standard. We wave the flag. We get their attention. We put out the signs. We advertise. Do whatever we can. Give our testimony. Invite people. 
Isaiah 35, I'll take you back a little bit further. Isaiah 35 and 3 says, strengthen ye, excuse me, the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. You know what that means, strengthen the weak hands? What happens when you don't work for a while? What happens when you just sit sit dormant and you don't participate in some sort of work activity? Your hands get weak. What happens when you don't spend a lot of time on your knees? You know, it takes strength to get down on your knees and get back up again and get down on your knees and get back up again. I had knee surgery last year. You guys remember that when I was gamping around here with my, with my meniscus thing or whatever? The doctor says, you got you to work that thing. It's doc, it's really sore. It really hurts. Work it. Bend it. Get down. Get back up. I said, well, I have a job that requires that actually. <laughs> so do you. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. In other words, get to work. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, we're ministering now again, we're ministering to these cities around us. Strengthen them. Say to them that, they're, that are of a fearful heart. How many, do you think right now, considering everything that's going on in the world, boy, it's Shangri-La out there right now, isn't it? It's just nirvana, just, oh my goodness, what a, what a Xanadu that we have going on in the United States right now. How people are just feeling great, aren't they? Or are they fearing in their hearts? Be strong, it says. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a re- recompense, he will come and save you. What a perfect but simple message. Friend, neighbor, coworker, I know you're fearful. I know that things look terrible. I know that there's challenges in the world. There's, what, what are we on, Zebulon variant now? Oh, oh my, yeah, did you notice they skipped over G? Never mind. People are fearful. The Bible says in the last days, men's hearts will fail them for fear. Well, I wonder why that is. Probably because society is crumbling in front of them. Because they don't have a hope. Because all they know of, of, of church and faith is religion and, and structure and sitting in a church and, 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 and just doing some ceremonial things. Or, or they've never been affected. They've never been deeply, deeply affected by a spirit of God like you and I are that, that can come into a house of worship and li- lift up our hands to the point where sometimes the move of the spirit is so powerful that it begins to bring tears to our eyes. That is so incredibly wonderful when we stand at this altar and we pray. And sometimes it's even so difficult because the grace of God is falling on us. It's difficult at times to stand because it's so wonderful. They've not experienced that. They have not had that chance. And Isaiah is saying, you can simply look at him and say, come on, don't fear. I've got an answer for you. There's a God that's coming. And he can save you. This is our message to them. He will come and he will save you. But you and I, along with them, have to prepare the way of the Lord. And we can teach him how. Right? We got to live it first. We got to let go of all this nonsense that goes back and forth amongst flesh and people and all the strife and the infighting and all the things that don't matter. 
Let go of those things and learn to love and be pure and be completely focused on the lost. All of your problems will disappear. Your magnifying glass will go away if we begin to put a, such a powerful focus on preparing the way of the Lord, not only for ourselves, but the people that desperately need him. Can I get an amen? amen. Thank you. Are we prepared for what God is going to do and what he's going to bring? Have we made a way? Are we prepared for what to do when he provides the opportunities for us? Have you prepared the way of the Lord when that person approaches you and says, I don't understand why you go to church so much. What's that all about? Are you prepared? Have you prepared the way of the Lord? Because you see, when that person approaches you and that person says, can you please under, help me understand? Can you tell me what apostolic means? Have you prepared the way of the Lord? Because if you have and you begin to speak that testimony to that person, the way of the Lord has been made and he will begin to operate through you. Is your Holy Ghost on fire, folks? Is your oil filled to the top? Are you prepared to be used of the Holy Ghost? Have you prepared the way of the Lord so that he can operate through you, speaking out of your mouth to begin to minister to that person the words that they need to hear? Have you prepared that? Is your Holy ghost on fire is your oil filled up to the top because that's our responsibility isn't it to prepare the way of the lord for the people isaiah said when god starts moving in a greater way as times are coming to a close and folks if you haven't seen it they're coming to a close as we prepare to change gears as we prepare to get to work are we prepared to do the things that will help the lost find the way have we prepared that way of the Lord? Because the Bible says that he's coming soon. And everything we see and the signs that we read throughout the word, we know that our time is short. God is on his way. And it's also our responsibility, prepare the way of the Lord to return. 1 Corinthians 15, 52, a scripture you know so well. It says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, a thousandth of a second at the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Do you know who's not included in that moment? The people for whom the way has not been prepared. The people who don't know him. You see, the dead in Christ will rise first. It says, for they that are alive and remain shall meet him in the air. Does it mean everybody that's alive and remained? Does the rapture take the entire planet? Look at 1 Thessalonians 4 and 16. I'll read it for you directly. It says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But here's the uncomfortable fact, the inconvenient truth, if you will, said the inventor of the internet. Thank you for those that got that. The inconvenient truth, the uncomfortable fact, 
is that scripture does not include those that don't know him. It simply doesn't. The dead in Christ will rise. And we, which are alive and remain, that's Paul writing. He's talking about Christians. We, which are alive and remain, shall meet him in the air. We need to prepare the way of the Lord, but we need to prepare the way for those that need him. Share that fact. Comfort one another. God is returning, and he's returning for his people. You can stand with me this morning. I'm closing. If I can direct you to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24 and 40 reads like this. This is Jesus having a dissertation with his disciples. They're talking about the return of the kingdom. He says, then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched or prepared and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready or prepared for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. For just a moment, for just a moment, I want to get into your head. And I want you to begin to think about this. The Bible says that the righteous, the righteous scarcely be saved. In other words, those of us that are striving, trying to get it right every day. You know, I'm not above anybody in this room. I, I work at it every single day. I talk to the Lord every single day, trying to get it right, trying to work out the mistakes, trying to be a better Christian, trying to be a better witness, trying to find ways to do things better. I'm striving to glorify God and prepare the way for me as I help to prepare the way for you. But take just a moment now. There's going to be a moment when that shout is heard. Sister Liza, can you hold just for one second? That's okay, thank you. There's gonna be that moment where that shout is heard. That trumpet is going to sound. And for some of us, it's going to be a glorious moment. The Bible says that when that trumpet sounds, we will be with him in glory. It's in Scripture. But there's going to be those people, those brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and neighbors and coworkers who are going to remain If the righteous scarcely be saved, what's the end of those who don't know him? Think about that loved one in your mind. Think about that coworker, that neighbor. When that trump sounds, there is no more. He's gone.
The Spirit of God in the form of the Holy Ghost removes itself from the world. See, God isn't coming back at that moment to just do some sort of sweeping vacuum suck of his, of his spirit that dwells in you and pulls you out of here. He's coming back for you. He's coming back for you, Sister Wendy. He's coming specifically to take you out because you've prepared the way. Dave, he's coming for you because he knows you and the Bible says that he knows you. But if he does not know you, and that trumpet sounds, that loved one stays. The Bible describes horrors that will occur in this world when the spirit is gone that we cannot imagine. Revelation chapter 22 Three times in 7, 12, and 20, Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Verse 20, Surely, I come quickly. It's time that we prepare the way of the Lord, isn't it? It's time that we're in preparation, amen? This altar is open this morning. I want to encourage you to take this thing from John's words all the way to Revelation. Talk to the Lord and begin to prepare the way because there are people that desperately, desperately need him. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.